Brian, you can just leave that one. Um, yeah, you can. Yeah, that, that's great. Thank you. Got some beautiful kids here at Community Bible. I want to just share with you briefly today um, because I really want to, yeah. Oh, there is Kingdom Tots. I'm sorry. Three and four-year-olds, there's Kingdom Tots. You can go. I want to be brief today because I want to really um, set aside time to respond to the Lord today. My, my encouragement to you, my, my challenge uh, to myself as well, is that you don't leave here today until you have uh, spent some time with the Lord and to draw near to Him. Um, today's kind of the conclusion of the series. I said last week, and it was kind of a, a lot there, and so I could make this one brief because I wanted to do this. But uh, we're concluding this series of God's Eye View, developing a new perspective Last week, um, I, I talked about the battle that we, that we are in as believers. All throughout Scripture, especially the Old Testament, you see actual battle. You see the, the, the children of Israel coming into places where they had, to, they had to fight. They were coming into the promised land. God had promised them, and there was, there was times when the Lord would, would fight for them. There was times that they had to take up their weapons, and they had to fight. They were in a battle. We, we talked about God speaking to Joshua, saying, be bold and courageous, be strong and courageous. And he kept telling him that for the purpose, I think, because Joshua probably dealt with fear. And we will at times deal with fear, and, 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 and courage is not the absence of fear, but it's responding in the place of fear. The first week was, you know, the spies, the 12 spies that went into the, uh, the, the land and they were spying out the land. And yes, it was good. And two of them, Caleb and Joshua, come back with a good report. Ten of them said it's good land. It's exactly what God promised. But there's no way the enemy is too great. And Caleb st stood up and he said, we're, we're not looking from the perspective of God here. We need to have a God perspective. And I believe that God wants to give us a new perspective as we are fighting the good fight of faith. But there's a real enemy that despises us. Jesus said that there is a real enemy. He said the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his job description. If you're looking for what the enemy does, that's what he does. So there is a real enemy. But Jesus has come that we might have life. But it's hard to defeat the enemy when you're not discerning what he's doing. And I'm not talking about, and I said this last week, this is not constantly glorifying or looking at the enemy. Finding demons uh, you know, behind everything, that, I think that that's just unhealthy. But it's just to recognize that there is an enemy and he is after us. And again, I, I, I quoted that passage where Paul, at the end of his life, he said, I fought a good fight and I kept the faith. He recognized that it was a battle. He recognized that this thing of life, walking with Jesus, is a battle. And that's why he wrote in Ephesians 6, this famous passage where he's talking about the full armor of God. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. And we put on the armor. Why? For battle. We don't just put on the armor for the armor's sake, but we, we put on the armor 
for battle. And, and Paul is giving us these, this description of the armor. He said, you're going to need this because it is a fight that you are in. And it's interesting in a couple of places in Ephesians 6, I'm just touching on this. I said this last week, but it kind of sets up where we're going today. But he, he gives a couple of reasons why we have the armor. He said, first of all, is he said, you put on the armor of God so that you might be able to stand against the enemy's schemes. Stand against the enemy's scheme. The second reason in Ephesians 6 he talks about so that on the day of evil, he said, put on the armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to, be able to stand your ground. And so we have the armor to be able to withstand the enemy's schemes and to stand our ground when the day of evil comes. It's when we're under attack to be able to stand our ground. Then he describes in there, he said, you've got to realize that the battle that you're in, and Paul makes, makes this very clear, he said, the battle that you are in is not a fleshly battle. You are not fighting against flesh and blood. Now, now the enemy can use people, and we understand that some of you guys hear that, and you probably think, well, man, the battle I'm, I'm in, I can name a few people. But Paul says, get your eyes off the people. Get your eyes off the flesh and blood. That is not your battle. Your battle is not with your spouse, your kids, your family member, your boss, the person that you can't stand. That, the, the battle is not there. The battle is the enemy that is trying to wiggle his way into your life, and he has scheme, he's scheming against us. And he's very good at diverting attention away from himself. And he allows things, you know, there's allowance of things that happen in our lives. And what the enemy does to seize on that, he puts that person right in front of you and says, okay, this battle is now against this person. And he stands back and his plan is succeeding. But Paul wants us to understand that's why he emphatically wrote the battle is not against flesh and blood. This is against principalities, rulers in high places. This is darkness. This is the, 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 what Jesus said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what Paul's talking about. That is your battle. And he's trying to steal our hearts and steal our joy and our peace. He's trying to wreck our families. He's ultimately after our hearts and our, and our salvation. And see, the enemy thrives in civil war. He really does. He thrives in civil war. If you can get fighting amongst yourselves. That's in the history of the church. Is you see different moves of God and it would cause these two people to get angry at each other and they would split and they would start a different church and now this church was going this way and this church was going this way. We have all these denominations. A lot of the denominations that we have are because of civil war. I know there's some legitimate splits in churches. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about how the enemy comes in. And there's been ch churches that literally, this is true. This is documented stuff. There's been churches that pe uh, massive groups of people left because they didn't like the color of the carpet. And one side of you, if you're like me, you, you laugh almost like this is a joke. The other side is it's deeply troubling. And that's what the enemy wiggles in and it creates civil war over the silliest of things and we fight battles and he stands back and he watches and, and God is saying, there is a mission that I've called you to. My son did not go to the cross for you guys to have a civil war over carpet. 
We need to understand that the enemy is battling because there is a mission, there's a purpose, there's a destiny on your life. God has a promise for you. If you don't believe that today, hear me. God does have a mission, a plan, a destiny for your life, and the enemy is going to fight you and fight against that. And so today, what I want to talk about, just for a few minutes, and if you like to take notes, this is maybe a good place to just jot some things down that I'm going to say to you, because we're going to talk about, all right, we've recognized what the enemy does. Now we're going to be talking today about how do we fight? How do we fight? What are, what are the weapons that we fight with? We recognize what he does. Now, how do we effectively fight as the church? Glad you asked me that question because that's what I'm preaching on today. Paul, obviously, he gives us all these pieces of armor that we are to clothe ourselves with. And he, I'm not going to get into the armor specifically today, but you know, he's the helmet of salvation, knowing, that, knowing who you are, who you belong to, the belt of truth. The, the, the feet, the shot with a preparation of gospel of peace, the shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness. And then he says, and we take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so if our struggle, if our battle isn't against flesh and blood, then our weapons are not flesh and blood weapons. Paul says this in, in, in 2 Corinthians 10.4, because I'm going to get into what the weapons are. He says, the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly. So if we're not battling in the flesh, our weapons are not in the flesh. He said, our weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. See, the enemy wants us to have strongholds in our lives. And God wants to give us weapons that can tear those strongholds down. We're going to be looking at Romans 12 in just a few minutes. That's a part of the, the weapons that I'm going to be looking at. And you can turn there if you want to, but I'm going, to, I'm going to hit on some other things first, and then we'll get into Romans 12. But I want to share these things with us in the battle so that we can, again, have a new perspective. That, that knowing who the enemy is and then knowing how to fight against him and not fight against each other but to fight together for the mission that we've been called. And so here's, I'm just going to go through these, and then, and then we're going to have time where we respond to the Lord. Number one is this, and this goes along. Doug, I appreciate you sharing that word. Number one is this, completely surrender your life to, every day to Jesus. We go to the cross every day. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 50 years. We have to go to the cross every single day. That was the finished work. That was God's display of power against the enemy. The cross defeated the enemy. It defeated death. It defeated hell. It defeated the grave. It looked like the worst defeat in history, yet it was the greatest victory in history. Because a sinless man who loved you and, you and I so much went to this gruesome, horrific cross so that we could be saved, so that we could be free. And so we surrender our lives to Jesus every day. 
And here's, the, here's that kind of upside-down kingdom, the oxymoron, is in the kingdom of God belonging to Jesus. Victory begins with surrender. If you want to walk victoriously before the Lord, victory begins with surrender. That just almost in a battle mindset doesn't make sense, but it makes sense in the kingdom. That's why Jesus willingly surrendered his life upon the cross, and it was the greatest act of victory. And when we come and we say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you every day because the Christian walk, and I'll say it again, the Christian walk will only be understood out of a place of complete and total unconditional surrender to Jesus Christ. If you give him 99.9% of your life, that 0.1, the devil will take you out. And a lot of people feel like that, how much of my life can I give to Jesus and then keep some control? That's the wrong mindset there. It's saying, I'm all in. I'm completely surrendered. Because if you hang on to a little bit, I'm telling you, what comes after that is disillusionment, frustration, and you just can't, you won't get it. And you look at the full commitment that Jesus made, that's the full commitment he's looking for us, is to give him our lives every day. Because outside of that, none of these other weapons will make no sense. That's the beginning place, surrendering our lives every day to Jesus. Number two is know the word of God. Know the word of God. This isn't just a good suggestion. Paul said he, in the armor, he gives us one offensive weapon. All the other things are protective in nature. One offensive weapon in the armor. And he says, take up the word of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Know it, meditate on it, have it transform you. This is more than just head knowledge. If you're reading it for head knowledge, that's not what I'm talking about. There, there's a lot of people that know the Bible backward and forward and their lives aren't transformed. It's applying it to our hearts and our lives. God, what are you speaking through your word? Get the word of God into you. That's why the psalmist said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Does that sound like battle and victory? I will hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Knowing the word is knowing him. Jesus, one of his names is the living word. When we know the word, we know him. Number three, submit daily to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit guides us to truth and it empowers us for a godly life. Paul, Paul in Ephesians says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about a daily filling of his presence every day. Sometimes we, we get Jesus and we kind of understand Jesus. Sometimes we get the Father and we understand the Father. And sometimes we miss out on the third person that is mentioned in the Bible as a part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. We need to submit our lives daily to him. Holy Spirit, fill me. Consume me. Baptize me. Immerse me in your presence every day because... That's what Jesus said. He will give you power so that you can live a godly life. Talk to the Holy Spirit every day as you would talk to Jesus, as you would talk to the Father. Holy Spirit, help me. Reveal the truth to me. Jesus in John 14 and 16 gives the description of what the Holy Spirit, he said, will guide you in truth. He will give you power. He will testify of me. 
Make it a daily practice to submit to the Holy Spirit, asking for His presence. Number four, stay humble. Stay humble. Remember, I read that passage, the opening in James, where he says, humble yourselves before God in due time. He will lift you up. True humility is powerful. And it's a huge weapon against the enemy because where the enemy hits the church and Christians is pride. It's one of his massive, you know, where, where, where Paul talks about, you know, that we have the shield of faith, that we can extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. One of his major darts is pride. As we get puffed up with maybe what we know or an experience that we had, we need to stay humble and say it's all about him and pointing people to him, pointing our lives toward him. Pride will destroy us. Humility, true humility, is a huge weapon against the enemy. Number five is repent. I know this word has gotten a lot of negative play. You know, we see people holding up signs and they're not very kind, but they're saying repent, you know, and, and, and we, can, we can kind of get a bad taste in our mouth over this word, but repentance is an awesome word. Jesus came, when, and it says that when he began his ministry, part of what his ministry, he began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. John the Baptist, going before Christ, he was calling people, he said, repent, turn from your sins and follow God. And repentance is a powerful weapon. These are weapons that we can fight against the enemy. If you're, if you're dealing with sin, fall on your knees and say, God, forgive me. I come to you every single day. And you might have to fight and fight and fight and fight in the place of repentance. But the place of repentance goes along with humility saying, God, I can't do this on my own. God, forgive me. Cleanse me. Only you can forgive me and wash me. And that place of repentance just simply means I've gone this way, and it's kind of a place of giving control. It's like I'm doing my thing, and I'm going to make a 180, and I'm going to go your way, God. That's what repentance means, is turn and go the other way. But repentance is such a refreshing thing. Acts 3, Peter is preaching. And he says this about, he said, repent, therefore. Turn and go the other way. You know why? He says, so that Jesus, he will send you the Holy Spirit and times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. That to me is a beautiful thing. And it's not the negative play of repentance. It's the beautiful part of repentance of having refreshing from the Lord. Number six, forgive from your heart. As Christ has forgiven you. This is a huge weapon that we have. Who do you need to forgive today? Allow the Holy Spirit to put his finger on there and ask him, Holy Spirit, is, is, there, is there someone I need to forgive? Have you been wronged legitimately? Some of us, have we been wronged legitimately? Some of us, it's just a grudge, and we need to let that go, too. But I'm talking about you've been legitimately hurt, maybe sometime in your past, and you've held on to that. And it's made, and in, in, as you look, look in it, it, it makes you bitter and resentful. God wants to set you free from that. And so we begin to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. That's what the Bible says. Jesus says, forgive 
as I've forgiven you. Who do you need to forgive today? That's a powerful weapon that you have if you're dealing with some things in your own heart today. Number seven, be thankful. Carrie sent me an article from Francis Frangipane the other day that was absolutely powerful. I'm not going to read that article. Get a hold of it. It's about being thankful and how actually it's a part of our warfare. And in there, he talks about ungratefulness and complaining are absolutely dangerous, biblically. Be thankful. And then these are from Romans 12, 9 through 21. And again, these cannot happen. That first place of submitting our lives to Christ, and none of these other weapons make any sense. But the reason why I'm listing these off, you know, in a battle, you want weapons, don't you? I mean, you would not want to go into a physical battle unprepared. You know, just going out there and running out there in your uniform, no weapons, and go, let's see what happens. I know what's going to happen. It won't go well with you. But Romans 12, 9 through 21, again, I'm not going to read the text. I'm just, you can look at it. But he, Paul talks about, and, and he's listing these things as, uh, and he begins Romans 12 uh, and, and from a, with a very famous passage of saying, um, you know, being transformed by the renewing of our mind and, and, and presenting our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to the Lord. In other words, get, it begins in the place of giving your life to God completely. Then he gets down into this place where he gives us these weapons. But he says, you need to have sincere love. Let your love be sincere. That is a weapon that we have. In a world where there is, I only love those who love me back. I only love those that, if it benefits me, Paul's saying, let your love be sincere. And what he's saying is genuine, authentic love. What is this kind of love? It's a love that lays down its life for other people. It's the love demonstrated by Christ on the cross. Let your love be sincere. Then he says, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And we might look at that and say, hate what is evil. It's easy to look at other people's evil, isn't it? And not allow the Lord to examine our own hearts. It's very easy to pinpoint the struggle or the stronghold in someone else and not look at myself. I think the church has been very guilty of this. It's easy to recognize that, and I've said this before, you have a struggle, and I, or you have a sin problem. I have a little struggle or a weakness, and you have a stronghold. Let me help you with that. When he says, hate what is evil, hate what is evil inside you. You've heard this say, and Jesus is the only one that can really say this, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin. Here's the church needs to adopt this one. Love the sinner, hate my own sin. That is a weapon that we have where we will make an impact in this world. Number eight, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. And that's just one of the passages from, from Romans 12, 9 through 21. Be devoted one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Guys, unity is a powerful weapon that the church has, and we do not exercise that weapon very much. And that's that place of civil war that the enemy tries to keep us battling against each other. 
But if we really, if we really concentrated and focused and studied what unity means in the church, it would revolutionize everything that we do. And we need to figure out what does unity mean. Unity does not mean agreeing on everything. I might disagree with you, you might disagree with me, but it's our response and our attitude is what the place of unity, that's the place of unity. It's my response and my attitude toward you. I can disagree with you, but if I love you and I honor you, like he's saying, honor each other, love each other sincerely. Instead of I disagree with you and now I'm going to tell five of my friends what I disagree about you and it becomes this civil war, backbiting, complaining, gossip, all the things that God hates. But he's saying be devoted to one another, to one another in love. And so this also goes beyond, our, we don't just honor or be devoted when we feel like it. Devotion goes beyond our feelings. Number nine, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Has something died in you? Did you, ha- did you used to be really, really fired up and in love with God and then some, it's just kind of, you're going through the motions and like Jesus said to the church of Ephesus, you've lost your first love, you've forgotten what you're doing this for. He said, stir up that spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, stay close to him and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Number 10, these are great weapons. Number 10, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. Joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Why does Paul say joyful in hope? It's easy to be joyful when we have hope. But he says also patient in affliction because these things will happen. Troubles, trials, they do come our way. It's a relationship. And he wants relationship with us. Number 11, share with God's people who are in need. And practice hospitality. What's the weapon against this weapon is busyness. Share with God's God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. We always mean to. And I'm talking, I'm guilty as charged. We always have the intentions of doing it. We have to start making this happen. Because this this also, with unity, it just strengthens the body of Christ. Here's number 12. This is a very difficult one. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. If you ever thought it was easy to be a Christian, just read that one over and over again. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. This is counterculture. Our culture says, you know, if somebody does something to you, you can respond in kind. Get even. And you see here where we need the power of the Holy Spirit? Because this doesn't just happen in us. I mean, for crying out loud, yesterday I I have this guy in front of me I, 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 am, I am doing all this plumbing project in our house, and if you know me, I'm not very good at that. 
I'm amateur at best. So I made about five trips to Ace Hardware, trying to find the right stuff that I needed. And I'd like to say that I was just going back and forth to Ace Hardware, just singing to the Lord and praying and meditating on God and just worshiping the Lord in joy. By the way, that was not my response. You, know, you get there and you get home and you think you have the right part now and it's not the right part. You want to start throwing things? Can I be honest here? I mean, you guys are with me? Don't be judging me. So I'm on my last trip and I get, and there's a guy in front of me and he is going 15 miles per hour. I want to get home and get this done. These things I do not like, and I tell you, it, and, and here's the thing, he goes right by my house. I mean, all the way. I mean, and we are just putting along. It was when I could have put the car in park and ran alongside his truck and said, dude, what are you doing? I could save you money, man. Just ride a bike. Bless those who persecute you. And this guy wasn't even persecuting me. You see how easy that we slide into those things in the flesh? We have to be on guard. And I think God was just up there laughing. Saying, I'm going to give Bruce an opportunity here. Failed. So if you're driving slow in front of me, <laughs> yeah, pull over, please. No. Or you can just tell me God sent me to help you. But this is counterculture. Bless and do not curse. I didn't curse the guy. I did not do that, but I was, I was frustrated. 13, rejoice with those who rejoice. Don't envy them. When somebody is blessed and God is doing something in someone's life, especially if you're going through a hard time, isn't it very easy to have that little thing that creeps up in your mind and your heart and go, you know, they get everything. They get all the, man, God, when am I going to get a break? And that's where God is saying, rejoice with those who rejoice. Be happy for them. That's a part of unity. And then he says, mourn with those who mourn because other people are going through difficult things. Mourn with them. Share their burdens. Number 14, he repeats this idea of unity. Live in harmony with one another. Then he goes on and says, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position and don't be conceited. Isn't that powerful? Unity, he deals with unity and pride all in one little sentence right there. Don't think that you're so high and mighty that you have it all figured out. Be humble. And associate with people who maybe are in a lower state than you because we are all God's children. And it's very easy to live in a place of I'm up here and everyone's down here. They're not. We all need Jesus. The church is the fellowship of broken people. And I'm as broken as you. Just ride my car yesterday with me. And... But do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of position. Don't be conceited. These are great weapons that we can fight against the enemy. 15, listen to this, and this, he repeats this theme again. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. And be careful that you do what is right in the eyes of everyone. That's that place of integrity. Integrity is a weapon. 
godly character. Don't just, don't just act right when you're in front of people. Who are you when no one's looking? We need to ask God for his character and integrity to be in us every day, but do not repay anyone evil for evil. And so it's, and, and it's again, it's so, so easy to look at other people's issues and not look at my own heart. And then he says this, if it's number 16, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. What is Paul saying here? Don't wait for someone to make peace with you. Don't say, well, that person has an issue with me, so I don't, I'm just going to let them deal with it. As far as it's concerned with you, be at peace with everyone. If you need to make something right with somebody, go to them. Don't wait. And Paul doesn't say, as far as it's concerned with other people, be at peace with He says, as far as it's concerned with you, look at your own heart. Be at peace with everyone. Number 17, he goes a step further with our enemies. Do not take revenge on your enemies, but feed your hungry enemies and give them drink. You're talking about a counterculture weapon in the spirit. And that's what Jesus said. If your enemy has you, if, if, if your enemy has you carry his cloak one mile, offer to take it two. Go opposite of the world. The world's battling and taking revenge and getting even. He said, it should not be that way with you. Be different. And then he finishes out, and this is the last one, is do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And this is not about being nicer. This is not talking about humanism. Everybody just be kind. This is talking about the goodness of Jesus in me, the goodness of the Holy Spirit in me. I'm not good within myself. I need him every single day. So, folks, we're going to, I'm going to have the worship team come back up here and get ready to go because we want to spend some time with the Lord today.